Good afternoon. Welcome. Glad you're with us. I'm Tom Hall. It's midday. Last fall, in the ecstatic throes of a storybook season, on the very night that the Baltimore Orioles clinched their first division title in nine long years, Governor Wes Moore and Orioles owner John Angelos took to the Jumbotron to announce a deal that will keep the Orioles at Camden Yards for 30 years. The next day, after plenty of rejoicing in Mudville, the euphoria of the announcement was tempered by the realization that the deal was not an actual lease, but rather a non-binding memo of understanding that committed the Orioles and the Maryland Stadium Authority to a framework for working out a lease by the end of the year. Well, that deadline is less than 20 days away. Last week, a lease deal was reached, but soon after it was halted by the governor when Senate President Bill Ferguson voiced objections to the terms that included not just a deal to rent the stadium, but developmental rights to some of the areas surrounding the iconic ballpark. This news comes on the heels of the announcement in late October by MCB Real Estate, who presented drawings of their plans to reimagine Harbor Place. David Bramble, MCB's chief, announced the plan surrounded by state and local leaders. Efforts to change the zoning restrictions to accommodate the design began that afternoon. Today on Midday, let's talk about what should and could happen if these two pieces of prime real estate, both of which are at the physical and emotional heart of our city, are updated and transformed. Can that happen in a coordinated way that makes all of downtown an appealing place for local residents to live and to work and for visitors to enjoy? A little later in the program, I'll speak with an urban planner from Chicago, Pete Saunders, and Thomas Kelso, the former chair of the Maryland Stadium Authority. But let's start with the proposal for Harbor Place, and let's begin with Faith Leach, the Baltimore City Administrator, to talk about the city's role in planning and imagining what downtown should look like and how the design can best serve the interests of those who have, of us who call Baltimore home. Faith Leach joins us on Zoom. Madam Administrator, always a pleasure. Welcome back. Hey, hey Tom. It's always good to, good to be with you. So, a lot of folks, and I think I'm one of them, have this impression that the plans for Harbor Place and the potential plans for Camden Yards seem to be very developer-driven rather than driven from some master plan for the whole city. Um, is there a master plan for what development should look like and, and, and you know, an, an overarching notion of what downtown could be? Absolutely, Tom. Thank you so much for that question. What I can tell you is that we are so excited about the future of Harbor Place and the future of our downtown. About a month ago, the mayor announced that he charged a group of leaders to develop a strategic plan for downtown that we call Downtown Rise. And the mayor actually took a first step and identified some immediate things that we can do to improve the look and the feel um, and bring more visitors back into our downtown. And we actually rolled out a, a website called downtownbaltimorerise.com where you can actually see the major tenants of this plan. We will release the full comprehensive plan in Q1 of next year, um, but we've already brought folks together and started doing this work. 
that downtown plan will serve as the blueprint for downtown Baltimore's next chapter. It's going to help us chart a path towards a downtown that is even more dynamic, inclusive, and prosperous. And the cool thing about what's happening right now in downtown is that we have about $6.5 billion worth of investment that's slated for downtown by 2028. That's huge. So we are absolutely focused on downtown right now. We have all of the partners um, and stakeholders that are at the table. We've been engaging community. The mayor actually has a community engagement form later on this evening um, that's gonna be located at Middle Branch Fitness and Wellness Center, Center where we're hearing from voices for, from residents that live in downtown and all around town and across town about what they wanna see in the future of downtown Baltimore. There's a guy named Chris Ryer who runs the planning department of the city of Baltimore. He's highly respected. Um, the folks I talk to think he's a really smart guy, and they think that the planning department does some really good work. Is the planning department involved in the planning of these two projects and, and you know all the rest of it uh, in that downtown area? Yeah, so planning is going to be core to all of the work that's happening across our city and the work that's happening that it's a part of downtown. Um, Chris Ryer is a, um, an important member of the Scott administration, and he has been doing some really incredible work, not just Chris, but his entire leadership team. They're doing some uh, amazing work um, around the city as well as in downtown. And they also oversee the Planning Commission, which is um, you know, a key partner in the development process. Um, so we did have a, a Planning Commission meeting that was scheduled, I think, um, November 30th, and there were some technical issues. And so we're going to be reconvening, reconvening the Planning Commission, and they are they play this advisory role in the process, and they'll be making um, recommendations that will then go to the city council. So planning is absolutely um, an important part of this process. So we have a, an email from a listener, Lee, who says, it seems to me that the current plans are taking away the planning of the redevelopment of Harbor Place from the city's planning board and putting it in the hands of private developers, with the net effect being losing the goal of the project being for all of Baltimore and instead being to maximize return on investment for the developers. Wouldn't it be better to make the project more inclusive of all Baltimore by keeping the planning in the city's planning department? So. You say that uh, the planning department has an advisory role. Shouldn't they have a, a leadership role? So I think this is the this is the thing. I think that it is about all of Baltimore coming together, right? This isn't just about the city of Baltimore leading the process. This is the city of Baltimore. This is the private sector, right? These are residents um, that call downtown home and residents that visit our downtown, right? And so um, the developer, what I know they've done is that they've convened at least um, 90 um, uh, neighborhood meetings with, with individuals and residents from across our city. So so they are engaging residents. They're engaging the business community. That's the really cool and amazing thing about our downtown is that our downtown is it's the home of, of people that live there and residents that live there and visitors that come to see our sports teams, as well as city employees and state employees. And so all of those folks should have a say in what the future of downtown and the future of Harbor Place is going to be. And I do want to acknowledge that the developer has done a lot of work. I would say he took the last six plus months to 
engage residents from across our city about yeah, what they and want. Just to let me about. remind folks we're talking about David Bramble from MCB Real Estate. He's uh, purchased the two pavilions uh, and he's announced that he wants to tear them down and replace them with, among other things, uh, two apartment buildings that, that'll have about 900 units right on the water. And there are many who say that that waterfront uh, area, that real estate there in particular, that, that parkland, uh, should not be developed commercially, but he's saying that he needs that. He needs the the income from uh, renters who would live in these apartments to make the whole thing work. That you know, so there's that economic, um, and he's probably right about that. But that economic incentive for him is not necessarily in the best interest of people who want to walk by the water in the inner harbor. Yeah. So, um, Tom, I, th- this is the thing about downtowns. I was actually reading this really interesting article um, in Brooklyn, in Brookings about the future of downtowns. We are not the only downtown in the country that's dealing with this. Everyone from D.C. to Seattle is dealing with this kind of urban doom loop, if you will. And so what cities are doing right now and what we are doing in Baltimore is that we are using this as an opportunity to reimagine what downtown is to the residents of the of the city of Baltimore, as well as our visitors. And what I will tell you is residential is going to be at the heart of the resurgence of downtown, right? Like, I want to be very clear. Like, I Yeah, believe, it creates the concentration yeah. of people and people are walking around and going to the restaurants and using the services of the businesses. Yeah, I understand that. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And downtown is actually one of the fastest growing neighborhoods in the city of Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So I think residential, I also think that there's an opportunity to partner with universities and bring more students downtown and maybe have downtown campuses, for example, like other cities. So I think residential has to be at the core of the resurgence of our downtown. Um, but we also have to just diversify um, what downtown looks like and the businesses um, that are that call downtown home. And so, again, I, I understand you know, the developers plan and wanting to bring more residential into downtown. Like we want people living and walking and working in our downtown. Yeah, but I guess it's a matter of where the residents are. Um, The gallery is pretty much empty. Um, We're talking about there's some uh, movement to change the traffic patterns around McKeldin Plaza. Um, There are, you know, there's going to be a whole lot of infrastructure that's needed to uh, to be uh, changed and up upgraded, so the the city will have uh, you know a, a a fairly hefty price to pay for that kind of stuff. Is that all going to be done before the gallery or the old News American site, which is a parking lot which Mr. Bramble owns, uh, but that's been uh, vacant for forty years? Um, it, it is it, are these infrastructure uh, am- amenities going to be? change prior to uh, a full understanding of what the whole area is going to look like, not just Harbor Place, but across the street, across Pratt Street, as well as all the way down to the stadiums, including Camden Yards. Yeah. And so what I will tell you is Harbor Place, as well as Camden Yards, these are catalytic projects, right? Mm -hmm. And so want to make sure that we are coordinated and working closely together um, because these projects are going to be, um, you know, the core to reimagining what downtown looks like and will call for lots of infrastructure improvements. I'm really excited about the opportunity to kind of reimagine the infrastructure downtown, especially at this moment in our history, because of the fact that 
the federal government has passed the infrastructure bill and we have millions of dollars in infrastructure money pouring into the city of Baltimore. So right now we are primed to do this really important work. The one thing I do want to say um, connected somewhat to the infrastructure, but more so about um, the businesses that we are seeing in Harbor Place. We had gotten the tenant, the, the occupancy of Harbor Place was down to like maybe 20% of businesses being open. Now, um, with David Bramble and under the guidance of the mayor, um, whenever, um, I think last year, we sent to the BOE a, a ground lease amendment, and we now have 59% occupancy entirely, um, and that growth is entirely from local women and minority-owned businesses, right? So the, the work of Harbor Place is happening right now, although the construction and the infrastructure, infrastructure work has not started, but we are already starting to activate Harbor Place um, and bring more folks into um, downtown. And before I let you go, uh, that that's great that uh, the occupancy is so much higher than it has been for years now. Um, now all we got to do is get folks to go downtown and, and you know, see those businesses, be part of those businesses. Um, we have a email from a listener, Jenny, who says, I watched the Urban Design and Architect Architecture Committee, called UDAP, based mm -hmm. in the Department of Planning. Uh, this is a meeting you were talking about the other day, which has been rescheduled now for December 21st. I don't understand why the city isn't waiting until the experts have had more time to work with Harbor Place before rushing it through the commission and the city council. Because um, as I mentioned in the, in the opening, um, efforts to rezone uh, Harbor Place to accommodate the plans that uh, Mr. Bramble has uh, put forward uh, happened literally the afternoon of the press conference uh, that happened at the end of October. So that process is already underway. Um, Jenny says, why aren't they giving the public an improved plan to see and comment on it before it continues through the zoning and the other process? Yeah, so I appreciate that. Um, and I've already acknowledged the community engagement that's gone into this process. And mm -hmm. I also want to acknowledge the um, the amount of time that this project is going to take. This We are not going to see a new Harbor Place overnight. It's going to take several years for us to see this type of development. And I, if I know the residents, like I believe I know them, they want us to act quickly to revitalize our downtown. And so that that is what this is. But there is still an opportunity for residents to engage with the process. As I I mentioned earlier, there's a um, forum um, tonight. I know council members have also held forums, right? So there are still opportunities for residents to engage in the process. And then we have the rescheduled um, planning commission meeting that is coming up on um, December 21st. So there is still absolutely time for folks to weigh in. Faith Leach is the chief administrative officer of Baltimore City. Thanks so much for your time. Always a pleasure. Yes, thank you, Tom. And as uh, the Administrator Leach mentioned, Mayor Brandon Scott will host a Mayor's Public Forum on Harbor Place tonight with David Bramble of MCB Real Estate. He's the person developing Harbor Place. Uh, that event begins at 6 o'clock, and it's at the Middle Branch Fitness and Wellness Center on Reed Bird Avenue. And coming up next today on Midday, what's your take on downtown? In particular, what would you like to see happen at Camden Yards? Give us a call, 410-662-8780, or email us midday at wipr.org. Thomas Kelso, the former chair of the Maryland State Authority, and Pete Saunders, an urban planner, will join me on the other side of a quick break. I'm Tom Hall. Stay with us.
You're listening to Baltimore's NPR News Station, 88.1 WYPR. And welcome back. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. By the way, coming up on our show tomorrow, we'll meet Baltimore's new fire chief. Chief James Wallace is certainly no stranger to the city or to the department. A 33-year veteran of the agency, he has taken over an organization that's rocked by tragedy and turnover in recent months and years. Plus, theater critic Jay Wynn Russick will review Cinderella in a new production by Arts Centric. So that's coming up tomorrow. And if you've just joined us today, we're talking about two big downtown development projects, Oriole Park at Camden Yards and Harbor Place. In the memo of understanding between the state and the Orioles, reference is made to the area around Camden Yards as a space that the team wants to develop as a place to, quote, live, work, and play. So what do you think that means? What would you like to see in the Camden Yards of the future? Give us a call, 410-662-8780. Send us an email, midday at wipr.org. We will work in as many comments from listeners as we can. And let me now introduce our next two guests. Pete Saunders is an urban planner from Chicago who has studied urbanism and public policy. He's the Community and Economic Development Director for the city of Richton Park, Illinois, which is south of the Windy City. And he joins us on Zoom. Pete, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Thomas Kelso was the chair of the Maryland Stadium Authority during the Hogan administration. He was involved in early discussions with the Orioles about extending their lease until the Orioles cut off those negotiations, which resumed when Governor Wes Moore was elected and he appointed Craig Thompson to chair the Stadium Authority. Tom Kelso, welcome to the show. Tom, thank you. Nice to be here today. And we also, I want to make sure uh, folks know, we invited Craig Thompson or somebody from the Maryland Stadium Authority to be on the show today, but they declined our invitation. That invitation remains open. So, Tom Kelso, um, Camden Yards was built, uh, the stadium for the Orioles was built in the downtown area on purpose. Uh, it was not put in the suburbs the way it is in Atlanta and, and many other uh, cities around the country. It was put downtown in part to spur development around the stadium. Um, it's been there since 1992. Do you think it's done that? Well, Tom, I think that's a great question. Um, I think that to a degree it has done it. Um, it has certainly created uh, a location for people to visit in downtown Baltimore and to stimulate a lot of uh, uh, tourist dollars being spent. But I don't think that it has um, fully realized its uh, potential at this point in time. And that's why back in 2017, the um, leadership of the Stadium Authority, uh, we started working on looking at how might we make the Camden Yards complex, which includes 85 acres, Oriole Park, M&T Bank Stadium, and the parking lots that are between the two. And we started looking at ways that we could um, stimulate more economic return uh, for the state and for the city and ultimately for whoever the development partners would be. Um, and we started looking at just the complex itself and realized fairly quickly that um, in order to really uh, maximize the benefit of the Camden Yards complex, it really has to be done in concert with the broader neighborhoods that surround uh, Camden Yards itself. And so in February 1st of this year, um, we convened a group that included uh, 
the Baltimore Development Corporation, Greater Baltimore Committee, uh, Downtown Partnership, um, we uh, met, uh, people from the mayor's office, um, as well as private uh, individuals. Um, the teams, uh, Ravens, the Orioles, um, the uh, uh, casino uh, management uh, that's from south of this uh, stadium, um, also the Caves Valley Partners people, um, as well as um, people, um, the leadership of the University of Maryland Hospital um, and the University of Maryland Professional Schools, because we really saw the entire area really being from Harbor Place. Uh, David Bramble was part of this meeting uh, from Harbor Place on the east side all the way to the University of Maryland Hospital and professional schools on the west side and from the new Lexington Market and the Hippodrome, uh, CFG Arena on the north side, all the way down to the casino on the south side, as really this contiguous west side of Baltimore uh, neighborhood, so that we could start talking about how did we collaborate collectively as a larger group to make sure that we were working in concert, and Faith mentioned the close to $7 billion of money coming into downtown Baltimore. Well, these are the organizations where a lot of that money is going. And we wanted to be sure that we were working in concert so that the University of Maryland Hospital, a live where you work plan, University of Maryland professional schools looking for housing for uh, their students. Um, the uh, Paramount Theater is an example on the south side getting ready to open. Um, and what's going on at Harbor Place could all be done in a way that we weren't conflicting with one another and that we were um, working in a way that coordinated, that fostered a live, work, play environment in this entire area and not just on the Camden Yards complex. Yeah, and live, work, play is the, the you know, term of art that they used in this memo of understanding between the Orioles and the stadium authority. But um, unlike David Bramble over at Harbor Place, which his proposal came replete with uh, very specific designs and pictures and, uh, you know, images that, that would help people imagine what Harbor Place could look like, um, there were no such designs or pictures uh, in the in the Orioles' memo of understanding. They just talked about live, work, play, which is a little a little vague for most people. So Pete Saunders, um, do uh, does uh, the the existence of a stadium uh, downtown in downtown urban areas uh, usually spur development in a in a real positive way? Uh, I know when a lot of these stadiums uh, used to, at least used to be built uh, with public funds, uh, the the people in support of spending the public funds on the stadiums would say, oh, it's going to generate X number of millions of dollars of economic activity. Therefore, it is worth it to the taxpayer. Um, does it actually work in most places if the stadium's downtown that there's, uh, you know, a lot of economic development surrounding it? Well, I think it works for the neighborhoods adjacent or excuse me the businesses that are adjacent to uh, that particular stadium i think in the case of camden yards i think it uh, was an excellent and uh, one of the early examples of that being able to work uh, there in baltimore um, but uh, over time i think it's becoming proven more and more that uh, the regular even though people are coming in to uh, spend uh, money at a baseball game or football game, they're not necessarily spending that money elsewhere. So uh, the benefit can be pretty limited uh, when you look at uh, you know, the rather transient population that's coming in at that time. 
So I, I think it, in most cities, you're going to have to look a little bit more broadly to think about things that will uh, make them better, stronger, uh, live, work, play places, uh, really meaning actual neighborhoods. And that's where I'm heartened to hear uh, the emphasis on uh, residential uh, development in downtown Baltimore, because I think that that is what's uh, one of the missing components in a lot of communities that have uh, issues with their downtowns. So, uh, so, and I think also related to that, one of the missing components uh, that helps in making those places become uh, uh, residential downtowns is a recreational component. Uh, I think that in a dense environment, people are also looking for opportunities to get to places to uh, stretch out and you know, become like a, a, a community playground for people. And I think that's part of the success of uh, Midtown Manhattan, for example, and also uh, part of the success of uh, downtown Chicago, which uh, has one of the most highly populated downtowns uh, of any American city. So uh, I think that that makes it a full-fledged community where people can not only work and uh, have a, a great living space downtown, but they can get away. Here in Chicago, you can go on the lakefront and go sailing or to the beach. Uh, and well, in the summertime, at least, not in the winter. But uh, it's a great place to enjoy uh, a slower pace as well as the faster pace that the city brings. So I, I think it just needs to be more well-rounded. Absolutely. And of course, you know, the, the lakefront in Chicago is a great place to hang out. Uh, I'm a former runner. It was one of my favorite places in the world to run. Uh, just a beautiful environment in New York. You've got Central Park in Manhattan. You've got Prospect Park in Brooklyn. You've got all sorts of outdoor spaces. And here in Baltimore, uh, Tom Kelso, they have renovated Rash Field, which is right down there in the Inner Harbor. I'm not quite sure how that renovation fits into Mr. Bramble's plans for uh, developing his project, but um, I'm, I'm encouraged to, to think that you were able to bring together all of these folks, uh, often called stakeholders, uh, to, you know, to, to think about and to envision what the whole uh, area can, can look like. But I wonder, um, isn't that the city's job? Um, or whose job should it be? Should it be the stadium authority that, that uh, is the, not only the convener, but the the driver of the ship? I mean, uh, who, if in fact there is going to be an overarching plan to what the whole area should look like and the connection between uh, the casinos, the stadiums, the harbor, uh, Harbor East, Harbor Point, the, the, the flow from one of those places to the other. Um, is there somebody other than the developers in charge of that process now? Well, I think, Tom, is, is the way that um, I looked at it and we looked at it back in uh, when we convened this group in February, February was that um, all stakeholders need to be at the table and that stakeholders working together might be a better way to create the connectivity and the master plan itself rather than having that done by city planners. All development in Baltimore City can't be done by the city and it can't be done by the state. The vast majority of it has to be done with private capital. And when you have people like David Bramble and MCB um, and other developers that are willing to come into Baltimore City and to um, build projects that are forward thinking 
is, is that they really need to have a seat at the table because their ideas and their creativity may be that linchpin that makes an adjacent property owner or somebody else within uh, the west side of Baltimore district, they see opportunity and they create something that's complementary. So I don't see that city planners on their own can do this. I think it really needs visionary private capital um, and the state and the city uh, capital is really in support. It's capital that can be leveraged by private developers. I think where I get the biggest heartburn, especially as it's related to Oriole Park and the development of the warehouse and the areas surrounding the warehouse is, is that uh, I believe is, is that all of the upside can't go to the team or to the developer, that the state can be a partner in that development and that the state should be able to get some of the upside benefit if it's successful because the state's going to get all of the downside risk if it's not successful. The state's still going to own it. It's still going to be a failed development project at that point in time. And um, any uh, debt that's put on that property uh, because of a subordination agreement is probably going to have to be absorbed and paid off by the state. So the state has all the downside. The state should get some of the upside and should be a partner. And that's where I differentiate my uh, self from uh, the Orioles and uh, Governor Moore at this point in time. Not that I disagree with development. It's how you do the development and how do the taxpayers really benefit from that development for the money that the taxpayers are contributing. That's Tom Kelso. He's a former chair of the Maryland Stadium Authority. Also joining us, Pete Saunders. He's an urban planner from Chicago. It's midday. We're talking about development in downtown Baltimore. 410-662-8780 is our number. Our email midday at wypr.org. Let's go to the phones to Irene, who's on the line from Baltimore. Welcome to the show. Thanks for calling. Thank you so much. Um, I've been listening to this, and actually I called in with your previous guest uh, from the mayor's office. But my comment is the same, which is I keep hearing things about stakeholders, right? And you need to bring in all the stakeholders. And you do. You need to bring in the developers, and you need to bring in other adjacent development companies and see how they flow. And you need to bring in the community, and you need to bring in business holders. But what my objection is, is that at the end of it, the way this system is designed right now is that only the developer will get to eat the steak. They're going to create a system that makes sure they make money. They're going to build the, the properties that they know they can sell. They're going to build the properties they know they can lease. And those m properties might be all Chipotle or big, you know, big box stores. Or if that's the fat of the moment, they're going to go with that because that's what makes the money. And with Baltimore, the story of Baltimore, whether it's the planning in Harlem Park or the previous developments, have been the fads of the moment. And the reason we have a system that creates different agencies with experts that spend their entire career figuring out how these different parts connect, how they match with best trends, what are the lessons learned from other developments, how do other cities mitigate those concerns, that's the reason we have a planning department that's why we have various um, experts in housing, in code enforcement, sure. in project development. We cannot keep saying, let's trust the developers because they'll give us something bright and sparkly. The reason we have these agencies okay. with 
Yeah. Well, Irene, I appreciate the, the, the perspective, and I think we definitely get your point. And Pete Saunders, when it comes to community input, when it comes to the planning process for these kinds of projects around the country, uh, is there a norm? Is there a paradigm that Baltimore could look to uh, to emulate? Well, I, I think that there is. I, I first say that, uh, no, I can't say that I am especially knowledgeable about Baltimore's experience. I do know that uh, with Harbor Place, it uh, goes back to the 1980s. I, I really view Baltimore as being at the forefront of having that kind of developer-driven uh, investment that to uh, stimulate redevelopment uh, in, in the downtown area. Uh, but I think uh, Baltimore may have relied a little too heavily on that uh, to be the stimulus that would, or the catalyst that would continue to uh, revitalize downtown, and uh, that kind of wore off over the course of the years. So I do think that there is uh, a need to have uh, community involvement, community input, community stakeholders involved, but uh, involved in developing downtown as a neighborhood, not as simply as a, a money-making center that focuses on the businesses uh, or the retail or, or even the institutions that might surround that area. Uh, it needs to become a full-fledged place where people are able to work and people are able to enjoy and, and to recreate. So I think that that's an important piece of uh, all downtowns. And if uh, people are looking at it simply as a place to uh, gather all the assets that can generate income or revenue, uh, then I think we're missing out on some very critical things that help make downtowns great places. And uh, Tom Kelso, uh, how would you respond to an email from Jim in Oella who says the Broadway market and Lexington market were once places where I loved to shop. The Inner Harbor was once full of historic brick buildings like the ones restored at Camden Yards. Those places were scrubbed of local charm and interest, and I fully expect this reimagining to continue on the same trajectory. So, Jim, in fact, we've heard from David Bramble uh, that he thinks, uh, as Irene mentioned, these sort of big box stores or uh, stores that you could find, stores and restaurants you could find any old place, uh, are not, uh, in his thinking, for development in the Inner Harbor. He thinks that keeping it local is good. But Tom Kelso, he does think that retail uh, is not dead and that, that there's a place for retail in the Inner Harbor. If Camden Yards is developed or the areas around Camden Yards developed, do you see a place for, for retail and, and that sort of thing? Or is it all just sort of entertainment kind of places, restaurants, etc.? I think it's pretty clear that when you have people living in an area, you're going to have to have retail uh, to support the residents. And whether that's uh, groceries, whether that's um, clothing, whether that's uh, drugstores, whatever it is, is, is that there's business opportunities that come um, to support residential neighborhoods. And so the more density of residential that you get in this west side of downtown Baltimore, the more you're going to have retail opportunities. But retail doesn't come first because retail isn't typically um, located in neighborhoods. It's not typically a, um, a destination like a Camden Yards or an office building or something like that. Is is that people shop in a different pattern. They shop closer to where they live. So you're going to have to create the residential that will create the business opportunities for people to come in and support the residents, whatever they need, and that it doesn't make it so that it's totally dependent on uh, entertainment. But although entertainment, you know, is an important part of it, 
but it's just a a, a small part of it. Um, and um, so I do believe is is that you know there's a great opportunity, but you've got to create the um, density of residential uh, uh, people living in the area in order to support the retail. Uh, let's go back to the phones to Clarence, who's a regular caller. Always good to hear from you, Clarence. How you doing? I'm doing well, Tom. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I listened to the young lady from the mayor's office, and um, there's a few things that are going on for the downtown area. Right now you have the Hilton Hotel that's a big debacle, and I'm a senior, so when I come down to go to the Orioles game or to go to the harbor, I want to be safe, and I want to have affordable parking. It's crazy. Like, if you come down for an Oreo game, and if you don't ride the light rail or a bus, you can pay $20, $25 just to park, and a lot of the parking garages are three, four blocks away. And if they're going to do anything, this has been going on for years. If you go, say, three miles in any direction away from the harbor, the stadium, the neighborhoods, a lot of the neighborhoods are still in disarray. Yeah. Well, well, well thank, thanks for that comment. And uh, uh, Pete Saunders, uh, the role of mass transit uh, in the development of these stadiums and the surrounding areas. I mean, uh, there are these vacant parcels uh, around and, and some parking lots around uh, Camden Yards and uh, Ravens Stadium. And the Ravens just announced some plans to uh, to gussy up uh, Ravens Stadium just this morning, as a matter of fact. Um, there are some parking lots that they're thinking about converting to uh, other uses, uh, but that's going to be, you know, even fewer places for people to park right adjacent to the stadium. So if that's the case, um, is it ever the case that uh, building uh, these kinds of attractions, stadiums, etc., cetera, uh, with a transit hub uh, turns drivers into transit takers. Um, it, it is, it, you know, it's, it's, it's the cart before the horse kind of question, I guess. Uh, if you, if you uh, really don't literally have any other choice, uh, are people traditionally uh, willing to, to switch their mode of uh, transport to get themselves to these events? Yeah, I, I think... Uh... Improved transit is going to be part and parcel with uh, downtown redevelopment because uh, you have to find a way to be able to move people smoothly and efficiently and be able to get to the places that are the destinations that people want to go to. Uh, I completely understand about the parking issue, parking challenges in downtown areas, uh, but uh, I think often, too often people think of that as a negative when Honestly, that should be thought of as a positive that should be dealt with. That means that there's a, a demand for the activities and the assets that are in that downtown, and we need to be able to think of ways to get people to those in a better way. So uh, I don't, it's a good problem. I look at it as a good problem in a way. Uh, and, and there are cities that are doing uh, excellent things at trying to uh, trying to rectify that. They're looking at uh, bus rapid transit in some areas. Uh, I know in Chicago's case, uh, one thing that we did was in, implement a, a, a streetcar system that uh, actually was called a streetcar system, but it was essentially buses that looked like streetcars that ran designated routes. And it was able to take people from place to place in downtown areas. And 
And I think that it was you know, viewed as successful uh, without having actual streetcars. But uh, I think we've got to recognize that uh, as this development happens and the value of the land goes up, the, the uh, price of the parking is going to go up uh, at every time. So we need to think of different ways to be able to get people to those places. Pete Saunders is an urban planner who has researched the role of sports stadiums as a vehicle for urban revitalization. Thomas Kelso is the former chair of the Maryland Stadium Authority. We'll have more with my guests and more of your thoughts about how to revitalize Baltimore's downtown after a quick break. Call us and let us know what you think, 410-662-8780, or send us an email, midday at wipr.org. I'm Tom Hall. Stick around. This is Baltimore's NPR News Station, 88.1 WYPR. And welcome back. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. If you've just joined us, we're talking about reimagining downtown Baltimore from Camden Yards to Harbor Place and maybe over to Harbor East and Harbor Point. What kind of downtown do we want? How best can downtown serve those of us who live here and those of us who visit to work and to play. My guests are Pete Saunders, an urban planner from Chicago, and Thomas Kelso, a former chair of the Maryland Stadium Authority, the entity that is currently trying to hammer out a deal with the Baltimore Orioles. Our number, 410-662-8780, our email, midday at wypr.org. So, Tom Kelso, you wrote a couple of uh, very uh, provocative and uh, compelling and persuasive pieces, one in the Sun, one in the Baltimore Brew, about this process. But as you look in your uh, crystal ball here, we're looking at three weeks before the end of December, which is the the sort of self-imposed deadline for a deal to be done between the Stadium Authority and the Orioles. What do you see happening? Uh, If they don't get it done, uh, what happens? Can they do these little stopgap extensions? I mean, how do you see this playing out over the next month or so? I think the um, most important thing is is to get a really good, solid lease that brings the parties together and keeps them working together over the life of that lease, whether that's 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, or 50 years. Um, A bad lease is by far and away worse than no lease. And so my hope is is, is that this interruption um, that's going on right now allows the parties to step back and to go back and to build a really good lease agreement, very similar to what we did with the Baltimore Ravens in uh, January of this year, and, um, and let the parties then go forward. And to work on the idea of a co-development agreement where the MSA and the Orioles are partners going forward, but that doesn't have to be done now. That can be done after the lease is signed, after improvements to Oriole Park are uh, in the works because the stadium needs a lot of infrastructure investment and upgrading and allow the idea of working on a development agreement, allow that to be something that happens uh, over time and in conjunction with the Ravens, the Orioles, and the stadium authority. If we do those things, is, is that I think we're going to end up with really good leases with both teams, and you'll end up with um, a development plan that really works for the entire complex and works for both teams 
and will um, ultimately benefit what we're talking about in trying to stimulate other investment in downtown Baltimore. Let's go to Bill, who's in Pigtown. Bill, welcome to Midday. Thanks for calling. Hi. I've got two things. One, I live a mile west of the harbor and one block west of Martin Luther King in the Barry Circle part of Pigtown. I'm very concerned that the when, you, when I, you've heard the term west as part of west of downtown, but if vision and thoughts stop at MLK, it is a major barrier. I almost got killed walking home the night that the member the MOU was announced. My wife is scared to go downtown. We're only a mile away and scared because of crossing MLK. So the vision, the thinking about, and the university has been mentioned, and that's on both sides of MLK. But it's very important that the thoughts and plans figure out how we can be welcome to be part of whatever happens. We being the, the west, west Baltimore, west of MLK, that dangerous road. That's one. Two, we need to not have the development be up by four rich folks with great public subsidy and asking more and more and more subsidy. And the way to do that right now is for Baltimore City to exercise its charter power to acquire the Orioles, to stop having the Angelus family or whoever demand more and more and then come back in 20 years. And we could either operate the team yeah. somehow publicly or sell it to somebody without the right to move. Okay. Well, thanks, Bill. Appreciate that perspective. And there have been folks, you know, who've said that uh, they they are concerned about the Angelos uh, family's ownership of the team. Uh, we had just this week uh, a piece in Bloomberg saying that David Rubenstein, who's from here in Baltimore, uh, is interested in buying the team. He, he certainly has the, the resources to perhaps make that happen. But then, of course, that complicates the thing. What if, in fact, it were sold to him uh, in the middle of this process of developing things? Let's uh, take uh, Charlotte's uh, comment. Uh, Charlotte, you're on the line from Baltimore. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Yes. I don't want us to wall off the water. Baltimore has this wonderful resource that attracts so many people because inland cities don't have this beautiful resource and we have done that on the west side of the harbor so i think why aren't we stair-stepping back to the north with increasing height buildings i'm very glad that a local baltimorean is wanting to develop it i think that's great okay well thanks for that uh comment charlotte i appreciate it and pete saunders when uh development uh like these uh, stadium related developments are done uh tom kelso's suggestion is to separate the and a lot of folks agree with them separate the development around the stadium from the lease for the stadium itself um is that normal practice is that uh considered best practice in these kinds of affairs generally well i think that it is a good idea to do that. Uh, I think that uh, it, I think that it it works in terms of uh, making sure that you are able to keep uh, that team in the place, but it also allows the development to take place around it that needs to happen. And I think that that's going along with the current trend that I'm seeing in a lot of uh, areas uh, with stadiums. When you look at recent developments like uh, SoFi Stadium in uh, Los Angeles, uh, or excuse me, in uh, in Compton, California. And uh, and then other developments that are like even Truist Park in, outside of uh, Atlanta, which have had lots of development activity going on around it. That's been uh, really sort of uh, uh, 
within the sphere of the team that is uh, in the stadium, but mm-hmm. uh, also being done most largely by the development community to make it a place that uh, makes it a more 24-hour live-work-play place. Okay. And and Tom Kelso, uh, we're almost out of time here in our last 30 seconds or so. Can the uh, stadium authority actually ever consider giving uh, that land around uh, Camden Yards to the Orioles? Wouldn't a bunch of other developers uh, take folks to court pretty quickly to say, hey, wait a minute, we, we need a bite at the apple too? Is it even you know within their authority to do that? Well, state procurement laws are really designed to prevent that um, so that when the state goes to uh, encumber or divest an asset, um, it has to run a process to see what the highest and best value for the state is. So it would make it very difficult um, to just give it to a team. And that's, uh, again, one of my objections here is, is that we haven't even gone out and seen what another developer would do in partnership with the state. It's just assumed that it would be done in partnership with a team, right. and that shouldn't necessarily be so. We yeah. should look at all opportunities and get the best deal for the state. Yeah, and a lot of folks have uh, noted that the Angelos family aren't developers, so they, they, they don't really come to this with a lot of expertise. But I appreciate your time, uh, both of you gentlemen, uh, Tom Kelso, former chair of the Stadium Authority, and Pete Saunders, an urban planner from Chicago. Thanks so much. And that's it for us today. Coming up tomorrow, a conversation with Baltimore's new fire chief, James Wallace, and a review of a show, Cinderella, which is a production by Arts Centric. Up now, it's here and now, so stick around for that. I'm Tom Hall. Thanks for being with us for Midday. Have a great day. You're listening to Baltimore's NPR News Station. Member supported 88.1 WYPI.